0: Hello and welcome back to the Ring Kids Cleveland Sports Podcast. We are on episode 10. We got a really fun episode today. We go back and do some Browns prospect breakdowns and we get into an argument about Paul Dolan's comments on Francisco Lindor. Was he right? Was he wrong? Stick around to find out. So without any further ado, let's get it on. Being a Cleveland Brown is way more than just playing football. It's about being enough. All right, guys, we are back. Episode ten, hitting double digits. Wow! Uh, made it this far. Yeah, made it this far. Having fun doing it, so it's uh it's exciting. Uh, we're starting off today's episode with your Cleveland Browns. Uh, we're going to start off this episode with uh, something we haven't done in a while. We're going to do our uh, prospects of the week, I guess. I don't know if I should call of the week as we haven't really been doing them weekly as of late. But yeah, either some, way,
1: there's been a lot going on, if you haven't I, noticed. So. A, a,
0: absolutely. We've been uh, lots of other football talk the last couple of weeks. So we're getting back into it, getting back to our roots, kind of like we did the last episode. Um, I'm gonna start this one out. I'm looking at uh, safety. We are both looking at safeties this week. No, I'm no? actually
1: I changed it up on you. Yeah, I'm okay. gonna go defensive tackle.
0: Okay, he's gonna he's gonna have a defensive because you tackle.
1: you did safety and I was like you bastard. I was gonna yeah. do a safety,
0: but sorry about that. So yeah, looking to fill the hole of uh, Jarrell Peppers getting traded. So who better than a guy who's coming out of college? Who has a lot of similarities to Jerrell Peppers? I'm talking about okay. another Big Ten box safety. Bring you know one one's out the door, but let's bring another one in. Uh, that's the Iowa safety, Imani Hooker. Uh, he's love Hooker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a uh, five foot eleven, two hundred ten pounds. He's got a nice, thick NFL frame for for a safety. He's like I said, he's a, a similar type of guy to, you know, what we're losing with gibberell peppers he's somebody who could come in and you know fill that role i think right away Mm -hmm. uh he's a hybrid safety with you know an advanced feel for like the play design and recognition he's gonna be able to read what's going on pick up on you know the the play and can he's got really good hands and he's gonna if he if the ball is in his vicinity he's he's gonna snag it for sure. Yep. Like I said, he's got the the NFL size and frame, so that that's good. He's gonna be pretty good in run support. He can deliver some big hits. Um, uh, now he, he's gonna be able to handle probably tight ends pretty decently in coverage. Um, probably not receivers as much, but I'll get into that a little bit later when we get into some of the negatives on him. Uh, but he does have, you know, above average like pattern recognition and ball skills. And, you know, he's, he's able to read the quarterback's eyes and move accordingly. So that's good instincts to have when you're floating around back there in that position. Uh, like I said, it's got sticky hands if the ball's in the area. He's, he's going to catch it. He's going to make a move on it. So that's that's good. And, you know, the skills he does have is going to make him fit really well in special teams. And that's an area the Browns struggled the last couple of years. So he's a guy, yeah. you know, coming out a young guy in the draft. We can throw on the special teams unit and yeah, can come out and play well for us for sure. Um, so like I said, I referenced before, he it's not it's not all good. Um, he doesn't necessarily have you know the athleticism to handle like the playing the single high. Um, he kind of just lacks the agility for it. Not that he doesn't have like downhill speed, but he kind of lacks the agility and the acceleration to keep up with the cuts. You know, some of the receivers will be making. Um, He takes a little long to unwind his hips, you know, when he's in deep coverage, Uh, doesn't have great, you know, recovery acceleration when changing directions. And he's also kind of prone to biting pretty hard on the play action. So he can easily get thrown out of position. If he's not careful and doesn't work on that, mm-hmm. you know, going to the next level. Sure. And another area the Browns have really need to improve is he. He really tries to, like I said, he's a big hitter, and a lot of those big hitters tend to do the shoulder tackle, try to just right. pull a dude over, and he he loves to do that. But he also needs to work on wrapping up that's a lot a, better.
1: That's a that's a scary thing since the Browns were. One of, if not the worst, tackling teams in the NFL last year. Absolutely.
0: So that's that's something he has to work on if he wants to really be effective and be able to take it to the next level to really, you know, have an impact as a starter in the league. So that's kind of my rundown of him. Like I said, I mean, very comparable to Jabril Peppers. And I think if... You know, he, he's there, and he, he could be available in the second round with the, the Browns, is it, like, 53rd or 54th pick. Somewhere there in the uh, second We are round. at number
1: 49 and number 80.
0: Oh, 49. Okay, my mm-hmm. bad. So, yeah, uh, late, you know, that mid-second round pick could be a great option for us. Uh, Mark, who are you looking at? You said you got a defensive tackle.
1: Yeah, I'm going to stay in the Big Ten. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with... Defensive tackle from the Ohio State University, and that is Draymond Jones. Okay, uh, Jones had a very good year uh, a couple years ago. Stepped in as a redshirt junior this year. Mm-hmm. Had some big expectations. A lot of people were thinking he was going to jump into the first round. Uh, it, he had a he had a pretty good year again, but I don't think he made that jump to get back up into the first round. Uh, Jones is a six foot three, two hundred eighty one pounds Richard junior coming out of Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Uh, some positives for him: he's uh, first and foremost very good motor and competitive drive. Uh, if he's ever beat on a play or makes an error, it's not for the lack of effort and motor. He he's plays very hard all the time. Uh, shoots the gaps very well against the run, uh, and then. He has very good hand technique and burst versus the pass. One of the negatives about him, though, is his strength. He's not very strong for being as big as he is, and he kind of got bullied when he was in college. And certain times, if he didn't have good leverage, he would get pushed around quite a bit. So that's definitely a big concern with him coming out. Um, He's got good flexibility to bend against the guards and uh, even on the edge, the little bit that he played. Um, And he's got good speed and range. He's able to track running backs down if they're a couple yards ahead of him, uh, able to get to the quarterback if they're rolling out for a sack, things like that. Um, the the big issue, obviously, other than the the strength, is also the point of attack. Once he gets into a lineman, that's where that play strength really does hurt him. Um, and he's awful against the run at the moment because of the lack of strength. So yeah. pretty much, I mean, as a pure football player, he's pretty good. Uh, there was, a I saw an interesting theory that if he was to shed about 10 or 15 pounds, if maybe they make him into an edge rusher.
0: I, I was actually just about to ask you that. That sounds kind of like the makeup of an edge rusher. Somebody yeah. who's, who's quicker, not a not as strong to really hold down that middle. But like, like you said, maybe if he shed, you know, 10, 15 pounds and... Was able to you know use that, that yeah. skill set could be an effective edge rusher as well.
1: So. Yeah, and I being six foot three, that's pretty tall as well. Uh, the problem with that is he obviously has a lot more experience on the inside compared to the, being on an edge. Sure, and I think it might be a little bit easier for him to add ten or fifteen pounds of strength with NFL conditioning. And obviously, Ohio State's got a very good program, but I think you know the resources the NFL has is unbelievable so i think he'll be able to add 10 15 pounds of muscle and i think he'll be able to get to that strength if he's able to uh work with it which i mean by all accounts it seems like he really is a good hard worker um right now it sounds like he's projected to go around the third round a lot of guys though that you don't think are going to fall end up falling Sure. So I would say number 80 would probably be a a pretty good spot for him if we were to look at him. Uh, And if he falls into the fourth round, I think that'd be great. Actually, it might be a nice little steal. I don't know if he'll ever be a starter, and that's okay. That's not a bad thing. He's able to get to the quarterback just with his speed and uh, burst. So if he adds some strength and doesn't lose his speed, he'd be a pretty good third down situational-type pass rusher and just a fresh body to keep Ogan Joby and Richardson fresh and mix those three with, you know, Cooley or Carl Davis or whoever they may be. And, I, I mean, that makes an interior D-line from a weakness into a strength, which John Dorsey has obviously uh, done this last couple of years turn weaknesses into strengths. So, um, but, yeah, I, I think Jones could be a pretty good fit here, actually.
0: Yeah, sure. And as, you know,
1: as we are very well
0: aware with this roster is we're not, you know, in need of trying to pick up really too many starter positions. Now, now we're kind of looking for depth and yeah, that's a good, you know, the draft is good for that. And one Especially thing those was mid rounds. So
1: one thing I think that helped him at Ohio State to have success is look at all the NFL talent he had around him. You know, he had Bose on the edge. He had Chase Young on the other edge, uh, you know. I mean, they're usually playing up ahead, so teams would have to pass. And his pass rushing is definitely a strength of his. But coming into the NFL, obviously, you're going to play against better competition. But you're also going to have Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon, Ogunjobi, and Richardson all on that defensive line as well. So he might uh, get those one-on-one matchups where he can out quick a guy. And uh, I. I think he he would even be in an even better situation than he was at Ohio State, and so they could honestly that definitely benefit from him or benefit him being surrounded by all that elite talent. Sure, definitely good. Um, so they had the NFL
0: owners meetings. They did this week.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, some interesting stuff to come out of it. Some some real uh, interesting rule changes, but we're gonna get to that in a second. But before we do that, another thing I want to get into. And this is, you, you made me well aware before the episode that this is going to be kind of like my
1: segment yep. here. This is but, all, now and, everything you've seen on Twitter, all those sweet jersey designs and uniform designs, that is all Brandon. I'm yes. 100% credit to him. I went a little bit crazy with it, but,
0: and we kind of all expected it, but Jimmy and has them announced that they're going to do new jerseys for the 2020 season the response for the uh the the release or the uh, the whole show they did to announce the last jerseys did not go over very well
1: for them no I, I don't, see I don't mind the other I don't mind the, the jerseys we have now and this
0: is what I'm gonna break down is because a lot of people were killing them I think they aren't all bad but there are some spots that they hit and there's some spots they missed on them and I'm gonna I'm a graphic designer, if you don't know. So, I'm going to give my professional take on it. If you want to call me a professional, I do technically do it for money. So, I think that's a good enough qualification. Um, so, where I think they got it right. For, I don't know why, but I don't like on the original jerseys, uh, before changing. On the white jerseys, well, actually on both, I guess, they had... Like the four stripes, the alternating brown and white or brown and orange. I didn't I didn't like the four stripes. I just felt like it was just too much. So whenever they had the three stripes, the on the brown jersey, it's it's the orange and the white. On the white jersey, it's you know the brown and orange stripes. I like the look of that. However, it did look kind of weird having them extended across the shoulder a little mm-hmm. bit and not kind of cut off on the sleeve. And it also isn't extended all the way either. So they could have had it extended to the seam where it kind of went to an angle. But it just kind of like stopped up and down and didn't match the. Uh,
1: I'm I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but we do have a little bit of breaking news. The Philadelphia Eagles have made a trade with the Chicago Bears. The Bears received a six round pick that could turn into a fifth round pick. While the Eagles are getting running back Jordan Howard, wow, Jordan Howard to uh, Philly. Philly, That's a, that was kind of a rumored trade that I had sure. saw. I mean the the spot for Howard makes sense. Right now, Chicago's two running backs are Mike Davis and Tariq Cohen. Uh, Cohen's a really good player, but definitely not your lead running back. So I and I mean Mike Davis is. Mike Davis. So, it looks like Chicago's going to be in the hunt for a running back coming up soon. Way to steal my thunder, though. Yeah, well, you know who has a running back that might be available for trade? No, I don't, actually. Oh, so, okay. let's... Yeah, continuing move, on. Moving
0: on with the jerseys. Um, so, yeah, like I was talking about the, the stripes on the sleeve extending to the shoulders there. Another thing that was kind of weird is the numbers with that little, like, shadow. And mm-hmm. the thing is it's not even, like, a drop shadow. It's up. Into like the left of the number okay. Which for some reason just really bugged me I don't like the look of that at all Hmm. Um, On the old jerseys I really liked The flat Just you know one color number Um, That's something they really nailed with The color rush jerseys Which everybody loves those And it's very obvious that Everybody loves those Another thing a, A lot of people want to go back to that I disagree on Though is the face mask I really love the brown face mask I, mm. I don't like the way it just looks like fuller to me. I don't know if that's
1: I actually what like that, the white. saying
0: that is, but I, I like the brown face mask, especially with, you know, the color rush uniforms. If you want them to keep those, you're going to want a dark face mask to match it. That, that white face mask is going to look really weird if you want them wearing the uh, color rush jerseys all the time. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of my input on where they kind of went wrong with the new ones. So, yeah, if you look at our Twitter page, you'll see my renditions. I have pretty much, you know, the things I did like about the new jerseys kind of combined with the old stuff. A lot of people want that old traditional look. That's kind of the consensus. That's not everybody. Some people want the really ugly, like, some, like, AA, AAF or, like, college football kind right. of look. But sure. you're not going to get that in the NFL, and I don't want that. You know, and the NFL has their their simple professional look for the most part. Some people, some teams have kind of some crazy jerseys like the, the Seahawks. They got some elaborate ones. Right. But for the most part, it's simple, and that's always what the Browns have been. And even uh, D Haslam said they're not going to overthink this one. They're going to go something simple and something traditional, which is exactly what they need to do. And I guess the last thing is, I wouldn't mind if they did the exact same things as the old jerseys before they, you know, went to the current ones. But using the new, the new tones of orange, the deeper orange and the deeper brown, because I really like those. The other mm-hmm. ones seemed kind of dull. Okay. Um. Some people like those. So that's kind of like the nitpicky things, I guess, I look for as a graphic designer and, you know, my input on what direction <laughs> I'd like to see them them go with the jerseys. Uh, the last thing is just, you know, like, again, everybody loves the Color Rush jerseys. I do too. I'm not going to say anything against it, but they're doing a redesign. So if you think they're just, their simple answer is just going to be making the Color Rush the full-time jerseys, I'm sorry, but that's not how it's going to be. There's gonna if if they're smart though they're gonna do something very similar, if not the same, and you know keeping those as the color rush jerseys. But if you're just hoping for them to do those full time, don't get your hopes up for that because I don't see that happening as much as it would be nice, and I think a lot of people would agree that would be great to see them out there. But we also have a little little bit of bias on top of them looking great. That was the jersey Baker Mayfield was wearing. Well, yeah. When he sure. came in and won the first game, and I would thirty something games.
1: So. I would just, uh, I would just like to see them wear an orange jersey. It doesn't have oh, to be yeah. all the time. I just, I love the orange jerseys. They're different. They're unique. That's something I didn't
0: even mention. That's a that's absolutely like. I wish we had orange jerseys with the with these current mm-hmm. uniforms, but they never wore them. I
1: have a Baker Mayfield orange jersey, and well, it we don't even like have those them.
0: Those like Anytime you'd see pictures of them going out and doing like charity stuff, right? they were wearing the orange jerseys, but they would never wear them on the field. Now, I heard that was due to something with how the numbers were on them. They were kind of hard to see, so they weren't like viable for game day or whatever. Right. They, I know they wore them a couple of times in the very first year. They made that change, but since then, they haven't worn them. But they have them available, so that really made me angry. But I, t- I totally agree with you on that. You need to bring back some orange jersey in at least be wearing it two to three times a year.
1: Sure. Yeah, so. right, exactly. So that's
0: my take on the, on the Browns jerseys. And we can we can move on. Do you want to talk I any more about that? Uh,
1: couldn't have said it better myself.
0: Yeah, do you want to talk any more about the, the Howard trade? Any other comments on that before well, we move on? Or? Yeah,
1: I guess with the Howard trade, I would say if that's the return that Howard got. What was it again? Uh, it was a six-rounder. That could potentially go into being a fifth.
0: So it just depends on pretty much, right. how, Like they got some.
1: How good he does or whatever. So okay. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think Duke has shown. Duke is uh, not as good as Howard is, and even though Duke's more versatile, he's not an every-down running back, and Howard can be a twenty. Carry type of guy. I don't. Duke's not shown that he could can, can be. So, uh, yeah. I think that really hurts the Duke stock. And I, if I'm the Browns, I'd rather keep Duke than have a 6th or seventh round pick for him.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you think he's going there to probably be like the the bell cow, kind of. Yeah. Three down back there. I mean, and he's a very good one. So that's very. Because we would what, would we trade for Carlos Hyde?
1: We signed Carlos Hyde and then oh, we, we him. traded him for a uh traded him to Jacksonville for a fifth rounder
0: yeah and he's probably probably a little bit I'm not gonna say too much better because I think if Carlos Hyde had stayed a starter, he was doing really well for us when he was but I think Howard is better than Hyde so I thought you'd think like a fourth round maybe but right that's a good deal for them for sure.
1: All right, so let's move on a little bit here. Uh, let's keep it with the Browns. Uh, let's go into uh, some stat predictions. So, uh, Brandon, actually, this was his idea, so I'll let you lead it off here. Yeah, um, we just <laughs>
0: – sorry. No, we wanted good. to uh, try a new little segment here. Just pick a couple players and then just kind of, like, pick a stat and just kind of predict what we think they're going to end up with and it's, at, it's, at the it'll end be of the season. See,
1: it'll be good to see, like, what you think and what I think. You know, yeah, absolutely. have different kind opinions on it, for sure. Yeah, so... Break it down a little bit.
0: So, yeah, we're just going to run through them, kind of kind of rapid-fire this whole deal here, see how it goes. So, Baker
1: Mayfield, yards. Mark, what do you got? I have 4,238 yards.
0: I am not as specific, because mine was just kind of like a generalization. So, oh, I went like 4,300 yards. But if we're going to go specific... I'll go 43 48
1: 43 48.
0: 43 okay.
1: 48. Yep. I think it'll take him a year uh to get real inclined with uh the offense of just the new weapons and things like that. I mean, 4200 yards, 4300 yards is pretty damn good, so uh but yeah, yeah, I think it'll take him a year or two to get to that 5000 <laughs> clip.
0: All right. Uh Nick Chubb total yards, so rushing and uh, receiving combined. I went with uh, 1560. However, looking back now, I forgot about Hunt coming back in
1: week eight, but I'm going to stick with it anyway. So, mm-hmm.
0: uh, yeah, 1560 is what I'm looking at.
1: Yeah, I went 1,384. I think he'll only have a couple hundred yards receiving. I think Duke and Hunt will pretty much take a chunk of that uh, receiving yardage but i think Chubb will hit a thousand this year okay. rushing so all right odell beckham jr he is a cleveland brown which if, in case you needed a reminder
0: mm-hmm. odell beckham jr touchdowns i have eight i have 14 i think he is almost gonna get one a game
1: hmm. i think th- <coughs> excuse me i think that uh there's a lot of chefs that Baker needs to make sure get their touches uh, between and Joku Landry Hunt Chubb, uh Higgins, all those type of guys. I think everybody's going to need their touches, need their touchdowns. I mean, one every two games is pretty good too.
0: Yeah, but he's just he's so good, and he can do it so many different ways. He's going to be targeted like crazy in the in the red zone. And he also has the ability to take a slant play anywhere on the field, catch it and run the rest of the way.
1: So. Right, but Baker's the type of quarterback, and this is a positive. Don't don't take it as a negative. He doesn't care if you're Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, or I you're know. Quincy Morgan, yep. or if you're Randy Moss, or if you're Dennis uh, Northcut. Dennis Northcut, whoever, he's gonna get the ball to whoever's open.
0: That that one was for my dad. He's a big Dennis Northcut yeah. fan. Um. Yeah, so I'm aiming high, but that's also, you know, in my opinion, uh, going to be a result of Baker having a lot of touchdowns, probably like 40-plus touchdowns. I don't know. We'll, we'll save that for the, for whenever we predict uh, Baker's touchdown numbers. But let's move on. Joe Schobert tackles this year. Now, he had around 105 last year and, you know, was hurt a couple games and then had like a hundred and I want to say like 50 something the year before that in 2017. So I'm going somewhere in the middle. I'm went with 126 and this is combined tackles. Sure.
1: Yep. Uh, I went 94. I'm projecting maybe an injury again for Joe. I mean, Joe just plays so hard. I think it's just inevitable. Um, And I think with the improved defensive line as well, I don't think the opportunity to have as many tackles will be there. Okay. And uh, the final stat we're going to predict is Miles
0: Garrett sacks.
1: Yeah, I had 16 and a half, so about one a game.
0: And I went 17. I went one a game plus, you know, one.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> one, one a week. There you go. Right. One
0: a week. He's he's going to get a sack in the, the bye week as well.
1: So, yeah, I think, other than, I mean, the Odell and Showbird tackles, uh, Odell touchdowns, Showbird tackles are pretty far off, but the other three, we're close enough.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, that was just a, a fun little thing. We'll kind of keep track. We'll uh, keep these in the in our little stat book here, and I don't know, maybe if we can find it a year later, a year from now, or whenever we uh, get the final results, we'll uh, match them up, see
1: how we did. Right, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so let's go ahead. and We'll talk a little bit more about the uh, owner's meeting and things like that. A lot of new rule changes. Um. Quickly, I'll run through them, and then we can talk about them individually. So uh, you're now allowed to uh, challenge for pass interference calls. Uh, You you do not get more challenges, but you now have the option to challenge that. Uh, There's the new blindside blocking rule, where all blindside blocks are illegal to the head, chest, shoulder area. Uh, Enforcing unsportsmanlike on... Uh, PA, PA attempts or uh, onto the kickoff, depending on the team celebration. Because uh, it used to be just on kickoff, so now you have the option. And then the kickoff change permanent. What's that one?
0: Uh, the. Was it. Did they just move it up to the 25? Or no. Um, so where they line up on the kickoffs, how they can only have. The people within like that 25 yards or something like that, where everyone has to be closer to, on the the receiving team, they have to be closer to, um, the ball pretty much.
1: Huh. Okay. Where, I, I missed that one. So okay. they,
0: like change that that format where, all but like the returners are. I forget exactly what it is, but they all have to be closer. So there's not as much of, and I don't think there's a run up either. They're not allowed to run up. The kicking team has to line up.
1: Uh, NFL, I think, has always had that. I think college is the only one that doesn't, or that you can run up like that. Right? Well, whatever
0: it was, they changed the rule, and it, the, last year was kind of a, a test period, and okay. they decided to make that official.
1: Okay. So the challenging the pass interference could be either a really good or really bad case. I think the bad part of it is going to be when it changes the outcome of a game. If the booth reviews maybe a, a hail mary pass or a pass to the end zone for a team to win, booth challenges it, says there was a pass interference, and there's one last play. I think that could be not only annoying but just I think bad. I mean, just I mean, of course the Browns are going to probably be the first team <coughs> to lose because of this rule because we're the Browns. Um, we're not, but we're
0: not the Browns well, anymore. Right? We're new Browns. Thank you very much. But what do you What do you think of that? I think there were different ways to go about it. I don't know if adding it to be able to challenge it is the right way and also how it, you know, the result of it, like um, Adam the Bull had kind of an interesting idea and it's one I thought about too and it's something that AAF does where they have like a sky judge and like if you had somebody who was, you know, like another official who had that, that overview look who can see these calls and maybe, like, get an instant replay and can, like, call down before they, like, snap the ball again and can, you know, stop it, take the extra look at it to make sure or he can make the call, you know, one way or another, maybe have the power to overturn an egregiously bad call. I, I like that idea, but I can also see where it gets muddy, like, what do you consider? What's worth, ch- you know, changing right. what what's worth taking that extra look at. Um, another interesting he, suggestion he he had was uh, instead of making it like at the spot for like a 50-yard penalty, maybe limiting it. Like if it's anything over 20 yards, you only get 20 yards on it. Because the thing with the penalty is not that they don't already do it, but they're going to – players are going to find a way to evolve and start practicing ways to intentionally draw these kind of penalties even more so. Right. And it could just get messy, but Definitely. I don't like the idea of being able to challenge it, you know, just chucking up a hail Mary, you know, getting that call. If it gets missed, obviously that's kind of the rule. If it, if it were to be called, you just kind of get it at the one yard line or half to the distance or whatever, but there's potential to get, you know, 50, 60 yards. On a, on a penalty, which I get the frustration where if they could have caught it there, they would have had all that yardage. So I think if you kind of limit it a little bit, then that could be a good way to go. It's It'll be interesting for sure. I just I don't know if this is the right way to do it, but they're just trying to take a step to make it better because there have been some really bad missed calls. So whether this is the right or not right direction something had to be done in some capacity there's a lot of gray area with it so it'll be be interesting to see how it uh how it pans out
1: yeah yeah i'm i just really hope with these new rules that they <coughs> i just don't want them to change football too much uh like this too next late. rule the new blindside blocking rule i can definitely see that just from a safety standpoint i i know it's it does take a big part of football but to, in order to make that block if somebody's not looking you're able just to get in their way and not completely destroy them
0: here's the only thing is even if you just stop if say all right so it's like two wide receivers and in this scenario right okay so you got the one on the far left maybe he just does like a really short route and the one a little bit inside of him goes deeper, right? Okay. The one with the really short route, you throw it out to him wide, and then he kind of, like, breaks away from his guy, and the guy is, like, next to him, trailing him, trying to tackle him. Well, the receiver who went deep is coming back and has a chance to, you know, make the block there. If that guy is running full sprint upfield, even if the other receiver who's trying to make that block, which might, you know, would end up being that blindside block... Mm Mm-hmm just doesn't even move like if he gets to him and stops there's gonna be a heavy contact there and if he even just lowers his shoulder a little bit to absorb the hit it's gonna look really bad and probably get called I think it needs to be more of like a they need to go for like a targeting kind of thing like they have in college I think overdoing it should be the issue because you can ease up a little bit but I think it's going to get called way too much now because it happens way too often. But I think sometimes it's just football. There's a lot of times where it's an easy opportunity for a guy to just crush a guy without being necessary. And I I'm full on for that, but I think it needs to be more of a targeting issue than maybe generalizing it like this.
1: Being somebody who's been on the hit of a blind side, and also delivering a blindside. Delivering a blindside is one of the best feelings in the world. Being hit with a blindside is one of the worst feelings in the world. So, but
0: what was a blindside? If it, if they're running straight at you, but you're just you just so happen to have your head turned, you know, to the side, you technically can't see them. So, is that a blindside? You know nah, what
1: I mean? I mean, I'm I'm okay with player safety. You can't, I mean, you
0: can't always predict what what direction a guy's going to be looking, but I think they're talking I guess that the might very sound the they're very looking at the ball, but
1: yeah, they're yeah, their eyes gonna be in the ball. They're taking the very like obvious approach, not the sure, you know, and the, I hope
0: it's not over like I said, I just hope it's not if it is kind of more in line and it looks more just like what the targeting and calls are kind of stuff in college, i I'm fine with that, right. but if they overdo it, I, like, there were so many of, like, the, the sack penalties or whatever, the, the the weight on the quarterback, those calls where, while in theory it's fine, but it needs to be on a conditional basis, but that's so hard to regulate, so they just kind of caught it on everything. And there were some plays where you're just like, oh, come on. And I don't yeah. want to start seeing that with regular plays.
1: Yeah, I mean... We'll just have to see how it plays out. Honestly, I, I don't think we'll know fully, kind of how the rule is going to affect the game until we see it.
0: And and I mean, you know, they're gonna they're gonna teach <laughs> the players the best way to handle those situations. So. Sure,
1: right. As long as they do
0: get a good job of that, I, I'm, I'm sure it'll be fine.
1: Um, what about the enforcing unsportsmanlike on uh, extra points if the team over celebrates so they can either back up the extra point or they can enforce on the kickoff. Yeah,
0: it was pretty much, yeah, like on like any unsportsmanlike conduct or any penalty pretty much like against the defense that happens on a touchdown play, it can now be, you know, instead of just being enforced on the kickoff, it can be enforced on the point after attempt, which is real interesting because it could pretty much cause, which would be, you know, 15-yard p- penalty on a 33-yard point after attempt make it a 48 yarder attempt so um i I was telling you before um on the current pats they are making uh 94 of them throughout the league last year Mm -hmm. and uh on field goals of 48 yards or more it was only like 56 yeah so at the very least it makes it more interesting um as long as they don't go any farther back like they did i like the celebrations and letting that happen and let that come back. So, I mean, guys are still just going to have to be smart about it. Yeah, but I, it it's definitely gives incentive for that for
1: them to not go over the top. I just NFL The Third Thrust. NFL stands for No Fun League. I just hate how they crack down and act like they're so big yeah, baller they just, for you know, not having the celebrations like, they, come on they let, let, them let them have cel- fun it's well, a game well they let them
0: come back i mean there there were a lot of fun celebrations that aren't get, that weren't called last year like there's a lot of them they don't have issues with you just can't do the third thrust and yeah. you can't hop into the stands and operate a video camera
1: right i, I don't know and you can't well you can
0: hop into a salvation army i'm thinking we'll see
1: a lot thing. of them this year in cleveland with odell and Jarvis. They'll, yeah, but they'll, they'll probably just ones. be
0: dancing. They're literally they're just gonna have a classic like high school movie dance off kind of deal going on. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what I see. Who and knows? The, and then the Chief slam. Could be a could still be a flag though. You don't know. As, I told you, man. As long as they stay away
1: from the third thrust, they'll be fine. Uh, Do you uh, know what I'm talking about with that? Yeah. yeah, Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So yeah. So uh, yeah, I think that's it for the.
0: Yeah, there's there's a bunch of other, uh, like, they call it, like, bylaw changes. And they're pretty much just uh, changes when it comes to, like, releasing players, contacting players, you know, before they're released or whatever. You know, there's a, a different rule about picking up players in the postseason. I think guys that are released in the postseason can also now be picked up by other teams that are currently, you know, in the playoffs and stuff so there's like five or six different rules like that we're not going to get into all of those but it was uh seems like a very lively owners meeting this year some uh big changes like we like we referenced with some of the bigger uh rule changes uh like i said the browns getting new uniforms going to be very exciting the new uniforms uh you can also see this in my mock-ups are going to have the super bowl 54 patch so that will be fun because we will be super bowl 54 champions already so called let's it hope. Let's so hope. called it before we even traded for adele just saying mm-hmm. and uh that's gonna do it for our football segment yeah uh when we get back we're gonna take a quick break and we will be talking cleveland indians
1: Hit high. Hit deep to left. Down the line it goes. It is gone. Bowler on the right side. Kipnis diving toward his left. Has it. Gets up. Throws. He got him. Swung on. Hit high. Hit deep to left. Away. Back. Gone. All right. So moving on here, we'll talk a little bit about the Tribe. Uh, 25-man roster was announced uh, in between episodes. I humbly brag i got 24 of the 25 correct the only one i did not get correct i had max moroff making the team uh this was before we had signed brad miller i believe so i'm gonna even chalk it up as we didn't even have brad miller on the team when i made that list so good job me literally patting myself on the back right now
0: very nice i gave yeah, no input you. to that
1: uh even brad miller couldn't save the Indians today. Uh, Indians fall on opening day to the Twins by a score of two to nothing. It's time to panic. Kluber had a Breakout. pretty good day so far, seven innings. He uh, gave four hits, two earned runs, and five strikeouts. Uh, our offense literally had two hits today. Brad Miller was actually one of them, had two hits, or a hit, excuse me, while uh, Leonis Martin had the other hit. Um, Yeah. Honestly, disappointing, but not anything that uh, is all that surprising.
0: Yeah, it was a good game there till what, the seventh inning? I mean, yeah.
1: Kluber was,
0: was pitching really well, and then he just had to stay in there too long. I mean, that's going to happen. It's, er, it's so early in the season. You get a guy a little bit
1: older going that long. Yeah, you and know, I'm actually – I'm sorry. I'm going to correct myself real quick. Moroff did make the opening day roster. Miller's – took the spot of uh jason kipnis going out with injury oh you you messed up so i was still i was still one you off messed up. if kipnis never gets injured then brad miller doesn't get signed and sure, yeah. sure so but yeah disappointing i mean two hits is obviously very bad now the twins starting pitcher jose barrios very good went seven and two thirds innings only gave up two hits one walk and he uh, had ten strikeouts and I know a lot of those were looking. I I do not see the exact number but it was quite a bit of them. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's early, obviously first game, but disappointing to see. Yeah, obviously when I want to want him to win every game. It's not going to happen, but the offensive lack of offensive output is. Still a concern. It's, it's going to be a rough stretch without
0: Jose and Fra- Francisco Lindor.
1: Well, Jose, Jose played today. Uh, he did. He, uh, yeah, not sure exactly how oh, well his bad uh, job out of me leg is doing. Uh, but I mean, he went over en- four. Good enough for him to try to
0: tough it out. Yeah,
1: yeah, he was okay, which is thankful. But I think Jose and Frankie complement each other so well, so. Definitely, I mean, Jose, I mean, can only do so much. Uh, but yeah, so to, again, Tribe Lose to the Twins, opening day, two to nothing. Now, Brandon and I had this argument already. He's a little uh, lack of energy and a little defeated by it. I would, yeah, don't call it defeated. Yeah, so the comments made by Paul Dolan the other day when talking about Francisco Lindor possibly re signing with the Indians. It's
0: official. Paul he he hates Francisco Lindor, wants nothing to do with him. He thinks he's an awful person. I,
1: I have a theory that Brandon hates Francisco Lindor, but we'll we'll table that for a and minute. I have a theory that Paul Dolan hates Francisco Lindor. So the comments that we're referring to if you've been under a rock the last week, uh Paul Dolan did a interview with the Athletic and Sports Illustrated. It was Sports Illustrated? I think so. I, want to say I thought so. it was Zach Measel who did the interview and he's with the Athletic.
0: Oh, another argument. Let's back check here, it. You go Fact ahead and keep it. talking. I will yeah. check it out.
1: Regardless, who did the interview? Uh Paul Dolan, and I'm I'm just gonna say the key comments here. Uh Paul Dolan said that he never envisioned his time as an owner to give a sixty million dollar contract like he did to Edwin. So he could never envision giving a $300 million extension or contract to any player. Son of a bitch. Was I right? <laughs> yeah, it was. The athletic. I thought for sure I, it was like something with Sports <laughs> Illustrated. Duh. Um. He also made the comment that if he was to ever give somebody a $300 million deal, that's equivalent to a team like the Yankees or Red Sox giving a billion dollar deal to a player. Uh, when Zach asked him what he would tell fans who were a little upset about the lack of urgency to resign Frankie, he said, "Enjoy him while you can. We have him under control for two years, and after that, we'll see what happens." I am totally against Paul Dolan in a lot of these remarks. And Brandon I just think citing with the the billionaire.
0: I don't think, I, I'm not going to say citing. I'm just saying people are taking it the wrong way. He's just being honest about the situation. He's not sugarcoating it. He's being real. He's saying things that everybody already knew in Cleveland sports, but we just want our hands held and to be told we're doing a good job and that they love us. I think he was just being real about the situation and – Hopefully that's where I I wanna leave it, but I'm gonna let you go ahead You know I'm not that, gonna leave I it stated there. that's that's my stance on it. Now you can go ahead and do your spiel.
1: Okay. So in terms of just not not even from the Indians uh, current roster standpoint, with Paul Dolan's, Dolan saying this, you're you're pissing off the fan base because you already know it's a sensitive subject. So you're pissing them off right now. Why, as a future or current free agent, would you be like, oh, I'm going to go to the Indians. They're not going to have one of the best players in the league in a couple years. They're not going to shell out money for one of the best players in the league. Frankie is the face of your franchise. Could be the face of Major League Baseball. He's a homegrown talent that you drafted. He'll probably be the best player the Indians will ever have for a long time. And you were also the one who started the
0: conversation a couple, just a couple weeks ago, about trading Francisco Lindor
1: in two years. I'd never said, "Yeah, I want to trade Lindor." What's trade Lindor? I would much rather trade Lindor to get something back for him if Dolan's going to and, continue being a cheap ass and, and Dolan not wasn't pay the saying, best player.
0: And Dolan wasn't saying. I don't want to not pay Francisco Lindor, but I'm probably realistically not gonna be able to so it's probably not gonna get but what happen, happen, you don't know get your hopes up. The
1: fan base know like you know the fan base is already on edge about this mm-hmm. So why are you adding fuel to the fire? You could have just not done that interview. you could have not said anything along those lines. Well, yeah, there's there's no reason to go out and just pretty much say we're not resigning the guy.
0: I don't think it's something he went out of his way to do. Like he felt he like he needed to address a lot it this differently. way. Sure, but he was in that situation. That's not why he put himself in that situation. So he can make that that clear. That like so he can make the statement specifically on that. That question came up. He in a moment probably gave his, his the best answer he could think of and. Be, to have somewhat honesty to it. I think that's all it was, was just him being honest and not sugar, sugarcoating the situation. And I think anybody in their right mind would know that it's a tough situation. Now, oh, yeah. before we move, like before you move on, you can give more thoughts, but I think there is, I, I read, found an article on Believelandball.com that had an interesting proposal for something kind of in the middle, like an extension we could give them that could keep them here. So, um, I don't, don't try to say that I hate Francisco Lindor. I love him just as much as everybody in Cleveland. Um, I get, I look, I totally get why people are mad at the comments, but I'm also a person who just doesn't like people feeling like so victimized and so hurt about stuff like this. And it's just.
1: Yeah, that poor, don't, don't be, yeah. that poor billionaire well, man. Don't be a softy. That poor billionaire I know. I feel bad and, for the, the billionaire. And the other who's argument we had
0: is it's it's partly on the fans in the market. This isn't a market where you can afford to pay people like that. Any owner, sell the team. any owner. Okay, you sell the team, but any owner in the, in a market where or in a team where we have the twenty eighth, you know, worst attendance. You know, it's going to be hard to make top five to pay that.
1: TV ratings.
0: Okay, so what, people watch? It's, it's, be, it's because people aren't going to the games. Okay, but... The,
1: which brings just because, in more
0: money for the team.
1: Okay, I understand that, but they've also made the playoffs how many years in a row now? That's extra revenue. TV ratings and sponsorships and things like that bring in revenue. I mean, just because just, the attendance need, is... You're not,
0: not you know, neither of us are working the checkbooks, so we I don't feel qualified yeah. to make a comment on it, which means I don't think you should be able to either. Just shots fired, blap, blap, blap. But uh, no, I just, I just think I, I understand that we're not going to be one of those markets and that are paying a player for five hundred million dollars on a twenty-year deal. I mean, if we could get him for twenty years for like three hundred million, let's do it. Because I mean, that's I don't, I don't know what that breaks down to. I don't have the math in my head, but I just, I, I understand that it that we're not the Yankees. We're not we. What I was telling uh, Mark, you know, in that initial argument, is teams like the Yankees, they can go out and spend every year to consistently keep a good team. Teams like the smaller markets, like the Indians, they're gonna go through waves. They're gonna go through waves where they get a they hit on a couple good prospects, bringing them up. They'll be able to hold on to them while they're kind of cheap pay a couple filler guys to really put together a good roster, but then that is going to fade, and they're going to nobodys going go into nothing him. for a couple years.
1: Nobody's asking them to be the Yankees. Nobody's asking them to pay four different guys $200 million. Well, no, but what
0: I'm saying is in that model that I'm, I'm saying, we're in the, the outer part of that. We're going out of our window that we've been in for the last few years, and why do you want to pay – Spend
1: all your money on one guy because he's like the best shortstop in sure, the league. he's the best shortstop,
0: but it's going to be you're going to be. I mean, you're going to be paying for one guy, and then have, like I said, I think in that situation you're not going to be able to afford much else. You're going to be getting the, the guys, you know, the old guys who are signing the one year deals who aren't really good anymore, and you're going to be relying on prospects, and you're probably going to have a kind of a crap team. Okay. This year they With have a bunch of his talent.
1: They have a bunch of crap. He's going to be Odell Beckham Jr. Right? in New York. Wouldn't you agree? This year the t- team they st- strolled out there, a bunch of mediocre prospects or sure. guys who haven't proven anything. They don't have anybody on the cap like that. So, and we we off air we've talked about this. Say you sign Lindor to a thirty million dollar per year deal, okay. Kluber is making 17 million the next couple of years, 17 to 18 million. Okay, you trade him away for prospects, higher prospects that can make an impact for years on a small budget. Okay, mm-hmm. that's like a 13 million dollar difference. So say you're still 13 million dollars in the hole. Well, then guess what? Bauer's probably gone. Right? He's a good chunk of money. Kipnis is off the books after this year. He makes like another 13 million. So, so we're gutting
0: so we're gutting the roster to pay one. player. Yeah, Jason
1: Kipnis is a great addition to the team. I am so glad we have Jason Kipnis.
0: What does that have to do with anything? He sucks. He exactly. Those are the kind of players right. we're going to have if we only have if we have to pay Francisco Lindor all this money. Then we're going to have the rest of the roster of Jason Kipnis's. Okay. And so what's right the now, point in that having one guy to save face for you know a, sh- a crappy franchise for have, a few years. However, but listen, I'm not. Like I said, I think he even said, he he said, we'll see what happens. He could get crafty. He could get, he could look into it and find a situation and find uh, something that works out. Something that, you know, he's not going to get a 12, 14 year deal like these other guys, but we could work something out now maybe. um, And let me know when we can transition into this. I know I'm fighting back a little bit more than I told you. I got so much to
1: say and I keep getting cut off by it. Here's the thing, Dan Gilbert, small market of the Cleveland Cavaliers, he pays luxury tax for a team that is the third worst team in the league. He doesn't have yeah, to do that. Still, a, but there's still
0: a cap, so it's even throughout the whole league. It doesn't. No, it doesn't matter yeah, though. Here's the, the, thing. the difference still... between what the Yankees are paying compared to what the Indians are paying is way different than the lug, the extra little bit of luxury tax that Dan Gilbert paid than what little, all the other NBA teams tax. are. Well, not okay, not little luxury tax, but still, there's a big difference between paying, you know, the the payroll and what the Yankees have and what the Indians average, and what more he was paying than some of the other NBA teams over, you know, over the cap. Because it was like I like I get it, but I just don't. I think that's that comparison just doesn't fit. Like I see it, but I don't see it. Like I just feel like it's too different of a situation.
1: The fact, okay. Hypothetically, we trade Lindor. He walks. Whatever.
0: I think. I think that's. What do you the have to show thing? for it? I think if 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 that's the case, if if he com- we come to the the terms that we're not going to be able to sign him, we absolutely have to trade him and have to get prospects for, him. and then you go into medi-
1: mediocrity until you find two or three prospects. You, Maybe find, you find another next- Frankie Lindor. Maybe. Do you know, do you remember the last time we had a guy like that? And, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here. So, even when we had good guys like CC Sabathia, Cliff Lee, guys like that, we still traded them off because we didn't have good young talent. Here's the thing, though. Maybe you get
0: that- a, a, a couple. Maybe you don't get, you know, one Frankie Lindor, but maybe you get three or four like Jose Ramirez is, and then you get a couple. And then you go back to where okay you're in that spot you got a couple really good prospering young guys and then you spend a little bit of money like give some uh, Edwin and Carcione deals out and fill out the roster and make a run in that section that's kind of that's what I'm saying that's that's their chance to do it
1: if if Paul Dolan wants to continue being a cheap billionaire and not put a winning team on the field sell the team it's that it's that easy if he's not gonna continue. Making improvements to the team. I guess the only the, the main difference the we
0: have is you think it's that easy, but I think it's much more of a complex situation.
1: He that's he's all. a billionaire. He has the money. He doesn't want to spend it because it was his parents who bought the team. It's not in his interest, which is fine. That's exactly what happened with Alan Randy Lerner. Sure, Lerner Senior loved the Browns. Wanted it. Lerner Junior you know, was a right. soccer fan. I can see if it if team. it's
0: he's not spending the money because it's money that he's not going to get back because you know, doing that, if you, once once you hit that, you're just spending to spend to do something you're a fan of and to make that better. But he's probably, you're, you're, more, you're probably right in this aspect where he's more in it to uh, just run it like a pure business,
1: something he's got to, you know, get as much out of what it's not he his puts interest. into it. It's not his interest. That's the sure. problem. If, I don't hypothetically say If I had he was billions a, of
0: dollars and I would, you know, like if we were in the same scenario because I love the Browns much more than I love the Indians. But if I was a billionaire and I own the Browns, I would throw away ridiculous money to... <laughs> if there was no cap to okay. do whatever I could to make There's them a another winner thing.
1: for sure. Look at Jimmy Haslam. Okay, Jimmy Haslam continually fires people, head coaches, GMs, all that stuff, right? It's not because he likes wasting money or having fun, it's because he wants to win. Jimmy Haslam's a billionaire who spends money. He's still probably paying, you know, he's paying Hugh Jackson still. I mean, all, you know, look at all the guys, Ch- Chudzinski's probably still getting paid. You know, th- I mean, those are guys who are still getting paid, and it's not because Haslam's like, hee, I'm going to throw money and burn it to the ground. Right. He wants to win, and he wants to find the best solution for that. Francisco Lindor is the type of general general player who's going to keep you to being at least good and competitive throughout his entire career. We have Jose for a, a cheap contract not for the next few years. Those two alone, at least for the next three, four, maybe even five years can probably win you the central division with guys like Bieber, Clevenger, Carrasco's locked in. If Tristan McKenzie develops in the minors, we have the pitching still. We need to add a little bit of bullpen, sure, but just giving up on homegrown talent like that would just be that would be the worst thing since Tommy. Believe me, or I'm not Manu saying it, I'm already. not saying
0: it wouldn't suck, and I'm not like not saying I'm okay with it. I, just, I don't feel I, bad I think for it's, a I think it's something that money. we just like I said I like some people were like shocked by it but they've also been
1: I was talking shocked about by it. I knew how cheapy was. I'm not shocked they're, by it. They're at just all.
0: mad cuz the fact that he had, he said it. It's like it's like he said the unspeakable. But I think that's such a stupid concept.
1: It was just it was just the wrong way to put it. Sure. He was way too blunt about it. Yeah.
0: So let's let's go to a positive note. Gosh, and I'm let's pissed talk off with- now. Gosh, <laughs> yeah. seriously, we're, we're I, just,
1: I just I, I I I just hate that mindset of him. Yeah. just not paying, like literally. You like, know, maybe maybe he's my one feelings- of the best players in Indians history, and he's only 25, 26. Maybe, maybe hey, my man.
0: feelings come with the Indy- baseball being my least favorite of the sports, though, and me having the least interest in. Sure. Okay. What if? So I think that could be. Like I I said, I would have a different feeling if it was the Browns. Let me throw this. We're talking about Baker Mayfield.
1: Baker Mayfield in two years from now, Haslam says, you know. Pay him whatever the I hell would. You want. I would never. Uh, I would never pay uh, any player x amount of money, and I can't see myself paying Baker that. And you know, we have him for two more years, so enjoy I, it. I how would, would you feel about that? I would commit murder. See, that's how I. That's how <laughs> I feel about Lindor. <laughs> I would commit murder because you know when Baker hits the open market, he's going to set the record for and, most money by a quarterback. I, and then I would go sure. to the the police station and
0: turn myself in because I I am a morally good person. But that mm-hmm. I would I would probably murder Jimmy Haslam if. He didn't give Baker what he wanted. See, so, right. So that's, that's the exact same so, scenario. Let, let's talk about a scenario that could be somewhat realistic and keep Lindor around a little bit longer. Uh, I was looking. It was on believelandball.com uh, article. So the proposal on there suggests uh, a six-year extension of his current contract. So starting in 2019, he would get eight years – one hundred and sixty-four million. So that's an average annual value of twenty and a half million from ages twenty-five through thirty-two. Um, he—that's a little bit of like a hometown discount in what, terms repeat of that again. Six year, six years, or no? Well, it'd be starting now. It'd be or starting in twenty nineteen. Be eight years, one hundred and sixty-four million. So. That's from ages now where he's at 25 to 32, making tw- an average of $20.5 million a year.
1: There's no way he would do that. Absolutely but no way.
0: The the one difference is, I mean, you're not getting that big, long... like It would definitely be a hometown discount in terms of money and length. Because, I mean, with these guys getting pretty much lifetime deals, like deals to the end of their career, I could see it. But if he gets to... 20 you know gets the 32 years old gets that 2026 20, contract and is still the, you know still playing very well cuz you can still be playing really really good at 32 and maybe he gets a big 4 6 year contract at that point making 35 40 million a year and maybe the the idea of that would intrigue him enough to stay here you know that that deal is pretty much the hopes that he really loves Cleveland and is willing to meet in the middle not saying that's necessarily most, most realistic, but I think that's our best hope. I don't think we can let it get to the point to where he hits the open market, he's a completely free agent, and we offer him the most money.
1: I, I would rather trade him than let him go on the open market, for sure. Oh, absolutely. But just, like, we've seen it time and time again. Jim Tomey walks, Manny Ramirez walks, we trade Cliff Lee, we trade CeCe Zabathia. Just, can we keep one hometown talent? One guy that we've grown and kept. That's just all I asked for. Literally, Frankie, like, if we get rid of him, we're not going to have a guy on that level for a very long time. Yeah. Very long time. And I, I love Jose. And, I mean, you Jose needs help. It can't be just Jose. So, I don't know. I don't know. It just... We'll see more when the time comes, what ends up happening... Plus, I've like I said, my my other thing is I've been in the mindset that
0: there the the door is closing, and once it's closed, it's going to be closed for probably six to eight years until we hit on some prospects until they those prospects start developing, and we kind of get to a point to where we get a couple of them up, playing you know young guys playing on cheap contracts, and then we can afford to pay you know give some Edwin and Carcion deals where it's like three years. 60-70 million dollars for a couple filler pieces and have a good enough roster to compete. I would obviously, trust me, I'm I'm not trying to say I don't want Lindor here. Obviously, he's a top probably what top 5 player, probably arguably at, a top at five worst, player, top 10. At very worst, he's probably top 5. Of course you want that on your team. But I just think like a, it's a tough situation cuz neither of us own and manage a sports team so we don't know the the all the business and all the that's logistics that go the, into if
1: it. He, if he can't pay it, that's fine. Just sell the team. But I just, I think even if money. he
0: sold the team, I don't know if you're going to get a new owner in here who's going to be will, willing to do much more, as much of it, as
1: it would take. I promise you if there was a new... As much as it would If take. Paul Dolan put the team for sale right now, it's valued at a billion dollars, I guarantee you the new owner would not only buy them for a billion dollars, but would spend to keep Lindor and have a winning team. Because that was the thing with Gordon Gund, is his teams were pretty bad towards the end, and he was not exactly showing out money. Dan Gilbert comes in, he's paying a ton of people. The Learners were just really bad with how they used their money and so is Haslam, but Haslam's at least it seems like he's learning and trying to get it right now with Dorsey and Freddie and stuff. I mean, it was yeah. through trial and error. I mean, the Dolans have owned it since two thousand and two. Yeah, I mean we're we're beating a dead horse here just because I see
0: Major League Baseball being way different because there's just so much yeah. more money thrown around in comparison to we'll the to other leagues. With agree to disagree on with the salary one, caps, sure. there's just so much more money in baseball that goes around. It's you can't you know just. Just willy nilly. At least, you know, NBA owners and football owners have an idea of the max that they're they're going to be spending.
1: Okay. I,
0: that's gonna be a dead horse. Concluded. That that's that's my final stance on it. Obviously, we know Mark's final stance on you're it. You're wrong. It's see. okay, and I think you're wrong. You're allowed to be wrong. That's not okay. You're allowed to be wrong. You're, no, and you're not. So You're allowed to be my co-host still. I get it. Okay. Actually, that didn't make sense. You're allowed to be wrong, too. Mm. If I say you're not, then that's saying I'm wrong. So. You are wrong, yes. Uh, yeah, Thank you right, for coming you around, wrong. finally. So that was fun. Yeah. Uh, move so, on. <laughs> so, yeah, we uh, really rambled on about that. Uh, a lot. So that's going to do it for the the bulk of this episode. We got one last section here with our games of the week and then our hot takes for the week. So I almost felt like that was just a really long hot take uh, section there. So we're going to take a quick break and we will be wrapping up the show with those segments
1: right after this. Alright, so for the games of the week this week, I just have stuff for the Cavs. Uh, Monday, the... gosh, April 1st already. It's wild. Uh, They are at Phoenix, taking on the Suns. Thursday, the 4th, they're going to be at uh, Sacramento, taking on the Kings. And Friday, the 5th, they are going to be at Golden State, taking on the Warriors. So, big West Coast trip for the Cavs. Hopefully they don't win too many here, but we'll see. Uh, so yeah, so now we're going to move on to hot takes, and I'm going to lead off here. Oh my God! Uh, oh my God! Fire! Oh, fire! Oh my goodness! Oh my God! Okay, fire. it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm! F- wait, 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 wait. wait, wait, wait. wait. F- my hot take is Brandon hates Francisco Lindor. It's obvious that he doesn't want him to resign here. It's obvious that he actually has a relationship with Paul Dolan. And oh, we're best friends. And that's why... I, I think it's uh, we are, a, a family. It's he's not like, a, ha- he's like a distant uncle that uh, maybe Brandon and him never like really grew up together, but you see him at the occasional Christmas party or Thanksgiving dinner. Things like that.
0: It's not a hot take, because I'm admitting I hang out with the billionaire Paul Dolan mm-hmm. all the time. The billionaire who's the been cheapest coll- billionaire we, I've ever heard. We have been colluding for months now on how how we can get rid brandon, of brandon I,
1: I, I think a part of this too brandon is a big jason kipnis fan and he would rather resign kipnis than keep frankie lindor i was i was and, a kipnis fan and but that's not true brandon does not like the hair dyeing of francisco lindor and i think that's a big part of it as well
0: i guess i also love hitler I, can i say much. that is
1: that really bad
0: that's a joke if if you didn't get that pretty much um, I'm gonna go with a not mean hot take because okay. that is just an awful thing to say and it's suggest. Truth. Mine's mine's fun.
1: Uh, you want you want to
0: have some fun? I don't, but let's hear it. Johnny Football is gonna take the AAF by storm. Oh my gosh! Now, I don't know if you watched his first game where he. <laughs> Really didn't do anything. He played like two or three drives. They were actually alternating quarterbacks. They didn't do anything the key first to, half.
1: That's a key to well, success, well, is Alternating they,
0: quarterbacks? He didn't play the whole first half. They let him play a couple drives in the second half, but the, uh, the other quarterback on the team ultimately ended up leading them to a comeback win over your Birmingham Iron, Ooh, Trent Richardson.
1: Yeah, mm.
0: he didn't do nothing. He's he's averaging like two yards per carry.
1: Oh, so nothing. <laughs> some things don't change. All right. Right,
0: but one thing will change, I think, when Johnny gets in there next week. Now he's on the Memphis Express, and they need to win out to have a chance for a playoffs. And I think Johnny's going to take a more prominent role, even though the other guy played a lot better than he did. It was his first week on the team. I think his game translates better to NFL style. Not not NFL, obviously, but AAF is a lot more NFL style than the CFL, which is just kind of bizarre. So I think he has a better chance there, and I think he is going to light it up for the Memphis Express if he can get a... uh, starting starting role a firm starting role like every snap instead of that whole alternating thing they had going and he is going to lead them to an
1: undefeated rest of the season and make a push for the playoffs does johnny spend more years in the aaf or in a jail cell nah his his jail days are behind him but however so hold on didn't he uh, just come out and say he wants
0: fighting his, to be Yes, allowed? I'm going to get into that because so I turned it on and it was actually his second drive with them. He was already up in a dude's face yelling at him. He he ran like 20 yards to a guy just to get in his face and yell at him. And then uh like on his first drive in. Like and this was a clip I saw later, he was actually like he was mic'd up and told a dude he's like, "Oh, I'll turn up on you guys right now." Like he was, he was already talking shit. Do you remember so, when he flicked I'm, I'm off? i so excited.
1: Uh, I think it was like the Redskins in that preseason game. Yeah, that was like yeah. at the time. I thought it was really cool, but now I'm just like, <laughs> no, he he's I definitely
0: really... a douche. Johnny's a douche, but he's fun to watch nonetheless. And uh, yeah, what you're referring to is Eminem, the rapper, Man. Marshall Mathers on Overrated. Twitter was was offering a helpful hint to. Or a helpful tip to the AAF or a helpful suggest, suggestion um, saying, one, that they need to get a team in Detroit, his hometown. Maybe he should buy an AAF team. That would be really cool. Interesting. The, uh, okay. the uh, Detroit Marshals or something like that. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, Detroit, Just the Detroit M&Ms. Detroit M&Ms. That go. would be awesome. I hate them, but, but uh, Yeah, he suggested that they should allow players to fight like they do in hockey, and Johnny Manziel was like, I got you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Johnny is <laughs> gonna go to a hospital, and a mental hospital. Well, See,
0: he's that, gonna get that's his ass beat. the difference. Is he's not gonna spend more time in jail because he's gonna go to a loony bin. Mm. <laughs> he's, yeah. gonna ar- he's gonna get he's gonna get arrested, but instead of going to jail, he's gonna plead like crazy or whatever it is. And- hmm. Yeah, interesting. So th- that's our hot takes for the week. Very fun stuff. I
1: hate Francisco Lindor with a passion. Johnny
0: Johnny Manziel is gonna take the AAF by storm.
1: Brandon has this vein on his forehead. Whenever I say Francisco Lindor, I am, it pops up. Yeah, he's I am
0: the lid. I'm the kid freaking out next to the hot girl meme, where he's got veins yep. popping out. Yeah, yeah that, that's yeah. that's me. Yeah, that's me. That I, you know, it's it's uncanny how much we look like actually. So, so thank, you. thank you for your uh, wonder, wonderful thoughts on Hey, me. great episode. And
1: Thanks for making, like, just ruining my night. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Anytime. Until so, next time, right? Yeah. Until next time, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for listening to this week's show. As always, check out our Twitter and Facebook pages at Cardi Akron Kids. Follow and like so you can stay updated with the show. We have another giveaway going on, so make sure you go to our Twitter page, find the post. We should have it as our pinned tweet, so make sure you retweet that for a chance to enter and win. Um, Spread the word. We're on YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.